This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Was that an anointed and powerful worship set this morning? That was awesome. We have been blessed with wonderful, wonderful uh, worship. Uh, I was standing in the back, uh, alternately singing and crying, because... It's an amazing thing that God's love never runs out on us. And uh, I hope that's a message that you hear loud and clear this morning. In all that we say and all that we do, it's a great morning to be in church. Uh, We have a number of things to celebrate. I know there's a little football game that's going on today. Uh, I'll just leave it at that, okay? Um, I want to say a big thank you to those of you who said, yes, uh, we will empty out uh, a little bit of the 10 o'clock service, so we will come to uh, the 8.30 service. A big thank you to all of you who got up early this morning to come and uh, give people a little bit more room to fill in that 10 o'clock service. This is uh, a great Sunday in our church because... 17 years ago, this morning, we had our grand opening service. How fun is that? It has been an outstanding 17-year run, and my prayer is that we have another 17, and another 17, and another 17, and on and on until Jesus comes again. Are you on board with that? Me too. Me too. That's a, gr- that's a great thing. That's, that's one of my dreams for our church, that no matter how long it is until Jesus returns, that we will still be a thriving church where people come and they authentically connect with God and they, they end up with this awesome faith in Jesus that transforms their lives and sets them up to live the life that God has always had for them. And nothing could be better than that. And nothing could more empower that than that ongoing love of Jesus that's constant through every change. And so I want to say welcome this morning. For those of you who are brand new to New Life, I want to say a special welcome to you. You have stepped into the unfamiliar zone. I realize that. Thank you for having the courage to step out and to step into a place that uh, and, and into a church service that you've never been in before. There are a couple of tools that I, that I want uh, to familiarize you with. We use them every week, all of us who come here. And the first is the long skinny card in your program. If you would pull it out, that's how we communicate with each other. It's how everyone here communicates with our staff. It gives you the opportunity to register for anything that our church uh, does. It gives you the opportunity to ask our staff to pray about something that's happening in your life during this week. It also gives you the opportunity to to tell me how you're going to respond to the teaching this morning because I want to pray with you about responses that you might make. If you're used to going to a church where it's sort of the same over and over and over again, and so there's no real response for you to make. I just want you to know new life is not like that. Every single time we have a teaching time, 
It's our intent that we would all learn. It's our intent that we would all be challenged. And it's our intent that as God works in our lives, He would help us apply during this coming week what we're learning here. And this morning is no exception to that. So there's a place on there for you to have two specific responses to the message today. And I have prayed that God will move many of us to have a specific response to what uh, we're going to talk about today. We are moving along toward the end of a series of teachings called Ask It. And they're focused around a big question. And the big question is this. You'll see it on the screen. And that is, what is the wise thing to do? And as Kevin has very skillfully pointed out, um, we're not asking what, what's the legal thing to do. This is way better than legal. You and I have all done things that were, quote, legal, but later on we regretted it because it was a very unwise thing to do. It was a very poor thing to do. It's better than even right or wrong. Oftentimes, the biggest enemy of wise is simply right. Because you can convince yourself that something is right or okay and therefore not in violation of God's law or, or any law of our country and therefore it's right, but it, it's just awful and will turn out to be wrong in your life. My grandfather, who was a sort of outspoken preacher, used to say, you can be right as heaven but wrong as hell at the same time. I've sort of never forgotten that. And we all have those things that we can point back to in our life that we could justify, but we know that the end result of that was far more like hell than like heaven in our lives. And so, what's the wise thing to do? And we're looking at that in the light of, of three particular perspectives. And the first one is, in light of my past experiences... We have a wonderful family in our church who shared with me a story that took place in their lives around Christmas, and I, I just want to weave their story in and out of the principles I'm going to teach this morning. So uh, the guy comes up to me and says, um, hey, you know, Christmas was an interesting time. It's been a good year, and my wife and I decided we were going to buy a lot of Christmas presents for our kids, and we went just a little nuts. Anybody ever done that? We went just a little nuts. And so Christmas morning, when, when the kids all got up, there were just like presents all over the floor, and the kids tore into the presents, and, 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 and we thought it was going to be awesome because we had all these toys and all this fun stuff and everything. And he said, were we ever shocked when like a half hour into it, the kids come up and say, Dad, could I borrow your phone? I want to play a game. You know what he said to me? Now, he didn't say it in these exact words. But what he really said to me was, in light of our past experiences, we're not doing that again. Yeah. A second perspective that we're looking at this in is in light of our present circumstances. Because... After that little story came a little confession. We didn't actually have the cash to buy all of those presents, so we put them on a credit card bill, and I got the bill the other day. 
Now, in light of my present circumstances, guess what? I'm not doing that again. Was it legal? Oh yeah, sure, it was legal. Could you justify out of a parent's love that it's right? Yeah. It just wasn't wise. And then there's a third thing that came out of that conversation. And that is, in light of my future hopes and dreams, oh, are those the values I really want my children to have as they grow up? That they would grow up feeling spoiled and overindulged? Uh, no. So in light of my past experiences, in light of my present circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, I need to be asking myself, what is the wise thing to do? Now listen, in the grand scheme of life, buying too many Christmas presents on one Christmas is not really a major thing, right? No, it's not really a major thing, but it's a great lesson to learn so that you don't make that same mistake on, on some future decision that has a lot more far-reaching consequences and circumstances involved in it. So that's the big question. Now this morning, we're going to add a fourth perspective to that. And in order to do that, we're going to break out what, what I call the collective wisdom triangle. So here you go. Okay? And we're going to start out up here with God's Word. Here's what you need to know when you're making a decision. You need to begin with God's Word because God's Word is truth. And I want to tell you something, though. We live in a day and age where it's widely believed that truth is relative. You pick your own truth. When the dust of human experience has all settled and the only thing that's left is what's real, you're going to find out that God's Word is not only true, it's universally true. That means it's true for everybody. You don't get to pick your own truth. God created you and put you into a world where He had determined already what truth is. God's Word is universally true, and it's also eternally true. So if you're going to live in wisdom in life, you have to start here. Now, down in this corner, we have personal wisdom, okay? And your personal wisdom is really a collection of what you've learned from God's Word and, and, and it's enhanced by or affirmed by your past experiences, your present circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams. Today, we're going to work on this end of collective wisdom. But before I get into what that end of collective wisdom is, I, I just want to make an observation that all of us have made. You ever make a decision in life and it didn't turn out like you thought it was going to turn out and you look back at it and you sort of hit yourself on the forehead and said, I should have seen that coming. We've all done that, right? Because when you look back, it looks so obvious. Well, here's a truth to put with that. When you reflect on something that you regret and you say, I should have seen that coming, here's the, the correlative truth that goes with that, and that is, if you should have seen it coming, somebody near you probably did. Yeah. So here's what we're going to add down here. We're going to add this thing called advice. Because advice enables us to take advantage of the wisdom of others. And when you put all of this together, 
you get the collective wisdom triangle. You've got God's Word, which is truth to begin with. You've got personal wisdom, and you've got the wisdom of, the, of others. Now, let me give you three things to remember. When it comes to God's Word, never violate that. Never. Because if you do, you will live to regret it. I don't care what it is. When it comes to your own personal wisdom, never underestimate that. Take the time to to ask yourself, in light of my past experiences, in light of my present circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Never underestimate that because nine times out of ten, intuitively, you know the wise thing to do if you don't override it. And then in this corner, when it comes to advice, I want to tell you, never miss this. Never miss it. It is an amazing resource that enables you to turn this into a triangle. A lot of people live right here, and they never venture up here, and they never venture down here. By the way, if you tend to live right here, you know what you're actually saying? I know it all. Because I really don't need God talking into my life. And I really don't need others talking into my life. And by the way, if you don't want God talking into your life and you don't want others talking into your life, what are you? A know-it-all. Hey, no, that's harsh, huh? It's just true. Have we all sat in that chair? Shake your head like this. Yes, we have. Okay? And what we're learning how to do is not sit just in that chair, but to live by collective wisdom. So why is it that it's so difficult for us sometimes, you know, when you look at somebody else's life and you think, oh, don't date that guy. What are you thinking? What are you thinking when you buy that much house and end up with that much debt? We've all seen people make decisions that we, we stand by and we go, whoo, that's a head scratcher. Now, what is it that makes it so easy for us to see other people making those decisions and so difficult for us to see when it's us who's having to make that decision? Well, here's the answer. Emotions. Emotionally charged environments just are not good for making decisions. When we get our emotions involved, it colors and clouds our vision. Let's go back to our family who was buying Christmas presents. Are there any emotions involved when parents buy Christmas presents for their kids? What do you think? Oh, yeah. And what they were envisioning in their minds was, I love my kids, I love my kids, I'm so grateful for my kids, I'm so grateful for my family, I'm just going to go overboard, we're going to have this fabulous Christmas, and my kids are going to open present after present, and they're going to run up, and they're going to hug my neck and say, thank you for being my parents, I'm so glad you're my parents. Hello, where did we go from reality to crazy land? See, that's what happens when, when we start, when we get into these emotionally charged situations. Now listen, I already said, buying too many Christmas presents, not really a big deal in life. 
But, but listen, when you are faced with a decision that involves some major temptation, okay, something that in your sort of way down in here you really want to do, but you question the wisdom of it, and you begin to rationalize. You know, I can, I can make those payments. If I work extra overtime and I do this and that and so forth, we could live in this house and we could have people over and we could do all sorts of things. And then later on, you, you, you say to me, Pastor, we, we, we bought too much house. And now we're a slave to the house. It costs a lot to buy it. And we're finding out it costs a lot to keep it up. And now, instead of enjoying our house, we're, we're, we're just trying to stay in it. Emotions are good. And, and God gave them to us for some wonderful, wonderful reasons. But, but they're not a good environment in which to make major decisions. Now, I want to teach you another principle and get ready to write this down because it's really important, and that is this. Big decisions are almost always charged with lots of emotion. You know what's really crazy? The bigger the decision in life, the higher the emotions, and the higher the emotions, the less qualified you are to make that decision well. Everybody on board with that? That's the problem. So you know what? That's why you need this. That's why you need advice. Because big decisions are almost always accompanied by big and high emotions, which tends to cloud our eyes. So that's question number one. Let's look at answer number one. Is emotionally charged environments are not good for making those decisions. Now question number two is, so if that's the case, how can we clear up our decision-making process? How can we clear up our vision so that we're not clouded by all those emotions that don't necessarily, they sort of distort how the truth looks? Anybody ever been to Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum? And you, and you walk past the mirrors on the way in and you look in those mirrors and some of them you hate and some of them you love because some of them make you look really, really skinny and wonderful and some of them make you look like you swallowed a bowling ball or something, Right? Sometimes that's what emotions do to our vision. They just distort. Now, God speaks to this in His Word. In Proverbs chapter 15, here's what God says. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. I want you to write this down underneath that passage, okay? The key is advice. That's actually what God is saying to us. This was written by Solomon, the, the at that time, the wisest man who ever lived, and maybe the wisest man who ever will live or did live, but, the, but what he says is plans go wrong for lack of advice. If you want to make good decisions in life, you have to seek advice, period. That's what he's saying. Now he also says in Proverbs chapter 12, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And if you were here a few weeks ago, Kevin had four chairs up on the stage, and he had the chair of wisdom over here, and he had three chairs here, and one of them was the chair of the fool. We've all played the fool before. I think Dave Ramsey always says, I've done stupid. 
And we've all done that before. We've sat in the chair of the fool. Why? Because those around us were saying to us, I don't think you should be doing that. Have you considered this? Have you considered that? If I were you, I would not be doing that. And what did we do? We did it anyway. Yeah. So not only is advice the key, but you have to recognize that sometimes when you don't listen to advice or you don't want to listen to advice, that might be really good for you. We're going to come back and visit that in a few moments. And then in Proverbs chapter 19, the Bible says, get all the advice and instruction you can. I want you to circle the word all. Because in this passage, Solomon is telling us that the key is to get lots of advice. And by the way, if you want lots of advice, you cannot get it by running through life and making people yell at you. If you want lots of advice, you have to actually go seek it. Now you and I both know that sometimes we made decisions in life and we sought advice. But here's how we sought it. Who will agree with me? I'll go ask them. You know, I know, Mom and Dad, you're trying to speak into my life, but my 16-year-old friend told me this. I'm getting advice. That's not how you want to do it. Okay? You've got to go seek advice from people who sit in the seat of wisdom. And by the way, when when you seek advice from people who sit in the seat of wisdom, okay, You want to make sure that they sit in the seat of wisdom on the specific topic that you're making the decision about. Okay? Let's just say for a minute that you're parents, and you're parents of young children, and you want some advice on how to raise your children. That doesn't mean that you just automatically go to your best friends whom you love who also have small kids because they may not be having any better time with their small kids than you are. And if you ask them for advice... They're going to give you advice that takes you to the same place you already are. Wouldn't it be smarter to find somebody, even if you don't know them, but you like how their children behave, and they seem to have this peaceful environment in their home, and when they're working with their kids and say, you know, I don't know you very well, but I love the way that you and your children work together. Would you and your wife or husband be willing to sit down with me and my wife or husband and give us some insights into how you do that? Oh. Yeah. Get all the advice and instruction you can because it will enable you to be wise the rest of your life. So what's the answer to question number two? And that is, listen. Yeah, open your ears. Take advantage of this part of the collective wisdom triangle. Remember, never violate this, never underestimate this, but never miss this. You need all three active in your life if you're going to make wise decisions and enjoy your life. So then if the answer is listen, that brings up another question, and that is... Why do we find it so difficult to listen when other people speak into our lives? Probably there are two sort of major hurdles 
that stand in the way. And the first hurdle is this. We already know what they're going to say. Right? Of course. We already know what they're going to say. And so that stands in our way. We don't want to hear it. Can I give you just a tiny piece of helpful information? The advice that you don't want to hear is probably the advice you should follow. Most of the time in life, that's exactly how it works out. You know, in my own mind, you know what I have written next to my notes? Just two words, idiot light. On your dash, you have a thing called that, that, that mechanics call an idiot light. Mechanics love gauges, but they recognize normal people never look at gauges. So the automakers came up with a, with a deal called a, a dash light, which mechanics call idiot lights. And the deal is, when you're driving along and all of a sudden a light starts coming on or flashes on your dash, it's made to catch the attention of idiots like you and me. And, and it's supposed to be a red flag. Now listen, when, when I in my spirit know I don't want to hear a particular piece of advice, you know what I have learned? That's my idiot light and it just went off. And it's time for me to wake up and pay attention. There's a second reason why we struggle to receive advice from other people. And that is we think it's nobody's business but our own. Hey, what I do with my life is my own business. Have you ever said that to anybody? Yeah, if you're past 14, I know you have. Yes. Unfortunately, as we get older we find different ways to say that same principle. But here's what I want you to know, okay? Private decisions have very public consequences. They just do. Every decision you make, and the bigger decision, the more it's true, every decision you make leaves a wake behind it and everybody behind you gets caught in that wake and gets affected by that wake you cannot afford to be a fool in this life and believe that your decisions affect only you one of the biggest reasons you want to make wise decisions in life is all of these people behind you and around you who have to live with the decision that you're making. If you love them, you will make decisions that involve all three of those, and you will live in that collective wisdom. Now as we close, I want to bring this down to two things today. They're the things that I've been praying for about you and I've been praying for about me. And there are people in this audience right now who are involved in making significant decisions in your life. And some of you, without hearing this message, would have gone out and made your decision based on this alone. I want to encourage you with everything that's in me. This week... 
would you go here? And would you seek advice and prayer from someone that you believe sits in the seat of wisdom in the area where you're making your decision? And would you just be open with them and transparent and sit down and sort of do a life dump in terms of here's where I am in life, here are the circumstances in my life, here are the things I see about this decision that, that, that would make me lean this direction, here are the things that I see that would make me lean away from this direction, but more than having you agree with me about this, I would like to have you speak into my life and I would like to have you pray with me about this all week long. And later on this week, if God gives you some insight or something, would you pick up the phone and call me and tell me what God says? Because I can tell you, friends, when we learn to live like that, life gets amazing. Are you on board with that? I'm praying for you that you will do that. For those of us who are not making big decisions this week, you know what I'm praying for us? That somehow we will remember this when it's our turn. Right? So that we can make terrific decisions. There's one other group of people that I want to address before I lead us in prayer. And that is those of us seated in the audience who have been investigating Christ, we've been hanging around church, or maybe it's our first time in church, it really doesn't make any difference. But the difference between us and, and where we should be is the fact that though, though we have begun to investigate Jesus, we've never come to the place where we want to partner with Jesus in terms of the salvation and the forgiveness that He offers. That's a very clear line in the Bible. And one of the things I love about our church is we don't tend to draw lines. You could walk into our church this morning and you could, you could be a Christian or you could not be a Christian and you'll get treated the same no matter what. Because, by the way, God loves you just as much whether you're a Christian or not. But when it comes to your eternity and when it comes to your present life, which side of that line you stand on makes a huge difference. Not in God's love, but how well your life works. And I want to give you some compelling reasons to step over that line and step over the line that puts you in a personal partnership with Jesus. Because you can't really live fully in this triangle unless you're fully on board with Jesus. Because the first thing that God's going to tell you in His Word is that outside of Jesus, outside of Jesus, your life will struggle. And outside of Jesus, you're, you really have no hope for eternal life. Jesus said He came to bring us eternal life. That's not a right that you have because you breathe. It's a privilege and a position that you choose. And you choose it by placing your faith in Jesus and saying to Him, I believe you're the Savior of the world, the one and only Savior this, this world will ever have. And I believe that you can and will and you want to bring me eternal life. And so I choose you as my Savior.
and I do it today. You don't, you don't get across the line by going to church a certain number of times. You don't get across the line by making sure your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. You get over that line only by making that choice and saying it to Jesus. And so I want to lead you in that. So that when we leave here today, every single person sitting here has the right and could know that if I died today, it would not only be my last day on this earth, but it for sure would be my first day in heaven. And if I live in this day, it not only will be my last day to live on that side of the line, it will be my first day to be on this side of the line, partnered together with Jesus for as long as I live and into eternity. If you're ready to make that decision, and if you're also ready to say, I'm going to seek advice from somebody this week, then would you join me in prayer? And the rest of you can join as well. Father, sometimes your word is so clear and so plain. And you have clearly spoken to us out of your word about truth. And you clearly have enabled us to learn from our past experiences, our present circumstances, and our future hopes and dreams. And you have clearly enabled us to learn and be guided by the, the wisdom of other people by seeking their advice. Got to pray right now for every person sitting here who's in the middle of making a major decision. God, would you give them courage and wisdom? Courage to seek advice and wisdom to seek it from the right people. And then would you give them ears? And then, God, we trust you. We know that as they pray, you're going to speak and you're you're going to move and you're going to motivate because that's how you do it. And on the other end of that, they're going to make a wise decision because it'll be one guided by you. And then, God, I pray for our friends this morning who haven't yet decided to step over the line, but they're making that decision today. I pray also that you would give them courage to do that. And friend, if you're ready to make that decision, here's a simple prayer that you pray and you mean it. Dear Jesus, today I step over the line. I acknowledge and believe that you are the one and only Savior this world will ever have. And I choose you as my Savior. Together we all pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.